Thank you for your patience over the last two weeks. I know that it was a bit of a bummer to skip a week so early in the season. However, it's been a really busy time with lots of things going on and I haven't had the spoons to deal with any of it and something had to give and unfortunately the pod was what had to give that week. So thank you again for being so patient. Uh, I also had to come to terms with the fact that I no longer have any energy. I'm not just being lazy or any of the other excuses that I try and came up with. I'm sick. I have heart failure. This means that I have little to no energy every single day. I have a very small amount of spoons to be able to do things. So if I want to go out and have a coffee... I have to kiss 75% of my spoons goodbye. It does vary depending on the day, but mostly I wanted to I want to do more than the spoons that I have and I hate it. Hate it with every fiber of my being. We also finally got our fur babies desexed. Oh boy, that was an emotional day for all of us. Uh, and a huge day for me since the vet is nearly an hour away each trip. And we had to make two trips, so there and back twice. Uh, Once to drop them off and, of course, once to pick them up once they were done. Uh, So why did we go so far for the vet? Well, because they were offering free desexing and microchipping and it was a godsend because we couldn't afford to get both girls done. So long car ride, but very glad everyone is done, safe and healing very, very nicely. And both girls are currently being very grumpy because they're stuck in my room with me and we're all experiencing some cabin fever. (sighs) Yep, cabin fever is real. Uh, I hope your week has been amazing and that you have enough spoons to do everything that you want to do this week and beyond. All right, this week we're talking about triggers and what it actually means to use that word. I'm also going to explain why it's problematic to say everything is triggering. Ugh. What is a trigger? For a person with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, or complex post-traumatic stress disorder, CPTSD, a trigger is an event, situation, or experience that can cause a significant emotional and physiological response, often reminiscent of the original trauma. Triggers can be anything that reminds the person of their traumatic experience, such as sound, smell, sight, or situation. As I have CPTSD, I will be referring to that for the rest of the pod. I believe this is one area where PTSD and CPTSD are the same, but just to be safe, I'm going to only talk about what I know. My triggers vary between all of those mentioned, so sound, smell, sight and situation. The most common being situations as they're often the result of dealing with people and one of the reasons I struggle so much with interpersonal relationships. If you follow me on Twitter, you've likely seen me talk about situations a lot. That's because I'm triggered and trying to navigate through it in the least destructive way possible. I agree, it is annoying to see all those tweets about things. But also, it's annoying to be triggered that much all the time. It's not a joke. It's not fun. Triggers and being triggered isn't a silly or flippant line I use. 
I am legitimately going through a kind of hell while this is happening. There's a compulsion to get it out or to release it so I don't have to deal with it anymore. Does that work? Well, sometimes, sure. Mostly, I ruminate and struggle to distract myself enough to get through it, or at least until the worst of it passes. So what does a trigger look like? Triggers can cause a wide range of symptoms, including anxiety, panic attacks, flashbacks, avoidance behavior and physical symptoms such as increased heart rate and sweating. Triggers can be unpredictable and people with CPTSD may go to great lengths to avoid situations that might trigger their symptoms. Some of the symptoms I experience are anxiety, usually stressing about the situation or one that may have been caused because of my trigger. I experience panic attacks. I get a lot of panic attacks in the shower because that's where I think the most and have the least distractions. As you can imagine, this makes actually having a shower rather difficult. And one of the reasons why when people are like, oh, just self-care and have a bath or a shower, I can't. It is not that simple. I wish it was, but it is not that simple. Uh, Avoidance. I avoid people as much as possible. It's one of the reasons I'm awful at responding to DMs or private messages. It's also one of the reasons Discord is so stressful and I live in invisible mode. I'm not trying to be an asshole there. I just, I struggle to connect with people. I struggle to keep connections and it's a lot easier to avoid people so that I don't have all of these issues. Uh, I also experience physical symptoms, so cold sweats, increased heart rate. Although with the heart failure meds, this is less of an issue. (laughs) Yay! Um, Shaking hands, lightheaded, or a feeling of being crushed. Like, it's literally the opposite of lightheaded. So when you feel lightheaded, it feels like your head's going to sort of come off like a balloon, I guess. That's probably a terrible way of explaining it, but that's kind of how it feels for me. Whereas the feeling of being crushed or like I'm like I'm a, a dead weight, like it just feels like I'm the, the exact opposite. Like instead of lifting away, I'm just being pushed into the earth, essentially. Um, I also experience a feeling of being too full of emotion that I might burst like my body can't actually contain the flood of emotions coursing through it Uh, it's a very weird feeling and that's the best way that I can explain it Um, I also feel a deep sense of loneliness I feel an extreme sense of being alone that people don't understand they can't possibly comprehend my crazy they don't want to understand me or just don't care I feel like it's me against the world type thing and that I'm not really good enough to be part of a group it um, <laughs> I have felt like that for a really long time. I mean, I've, I've been part of many groups and I've always still felt like an outsider. Um, I feel like an outsider in my marriage sometimes too. You know, I, it's nothing that Adan has done or can do. It's just, that's just how I feel. Um, and yeah, it is, it is pretty lonely. Um, it's pretty lonely because people just assume that I'll talk about this stuff once and then all of a sudden it will be over and done with and I'll be fine but that's not how this works that's not what 
being triggered is like I can be triggered by the same things over and over and over again and I often am that's why on Twitter especially because I mean that's where I tend to vent that's why there's so many tweets that sound almost identical because the situation is the same it might be different people or a different time but the situation itself that I'm railing against and that I'm struggling to um, to deal with and process that's exactly the same there's there's no difference in in that situation or 10 situations ago um and minimizing it to the point that people say oh well you should learn from it you should change one thing about how you deal with it and that'll somehow make it all better that's not how it works I'm reacting to in most cases the way people treat me I'm reacting to situations that I'm in that I cannot control there's no controlling other people there's no controlling everything around you and that's what for me sends me into a tailspin I cannot control these things and not being able to control my surroundings is really really scary uh, which is why I pull away from people I would rather be alone and I'd rather that loneliness even if it is completely horrible and you know I'm it's me against the world it's it's simpler and I can't I don't hurt as much I mean it still hurts it hurts to be alone we are humans and as such humans are very social creatures whether we want to be or not but being forced I guess to be social just makes me struggle all the more um, but then at the same time, I know I, I've mentioned this in, in a previous pod, but at the same time, I want to be social. I want to have those connections. So I do things like having a pod where I can just talk and people can kind of get to know me that way without some of the scariness. I don't have to try and have a conversation and I don't have to worry that, oh dear, I've said something wrong, I can just edit it out and it's really nice but it's also not real, uh, it's, not a, it's not a real conversation but yeah, um, so they're just some of the, the, <laughs> the things I experience um, with triggers and what they, what they do to me. Why is it bad to use the word triggered? Using the word triggered can be problematic for people who do not have CPTSD because it can trivialize the experience of those who do. When people use the term triggered to describe something that is merely annoying or upsetting, it can be dismissive of the real emotional and physical reactions that individuals with CPTSD experience when triggered. Additionally, using the term triggered in this way can contribute to a culture of insensitivity and lack of empathy. Using the term lightly can make it seem as though individuals with CPTSD are being overly sensitive, which can add to their feelings of isolation and shame. 
Therefore, it's essential to be mindful of the language we use and avoid using the word triggered inappropriately. When a person uses triggered to explain a trivial situation or experience, they are further stigmatizing people with CPTSD. They diminish the meaning of the word, make it a fad and turn it into a word people consider lame, trivial, problematic, etc. How many times have you heard someone say, I was so triggered and you rolled your eyes or thought that's really not triggering. I know I've done it and while I shouldn't have as I didn't know if they had PTSD or CPTSD, I found myself really angry that they were using the word in such a small manner. Merely being put out or slightly miffed about something is not freaking triggered. It's just a minor inconvenience. And that is the whole reason that I'm creating creating this pod today is that I just still see people using the word triggered and, you know, laughing about how they're using this word that, you know, oh, I'm so triggered. And it's just, no, you're not triggered. You're inconvenienced. You're mildly inconvenienced. You're upset about something. And words, they have power, whether we want them to or not, whether we mean them to or not. Intent to use them in a way that is helpful or not helpful, it matters. It really does. We can only talk to each other and communicate via words. So words have a huge part of our lives and how we express ourselves. So taking away the actual meaning and the use and the reason that this word is used in this circumstance it just makes me so angry. <laughs> it really does. It it makes my blood boil and I just and it makes me more angry because it's a way it's it's another way for us to minimize and I say us people with CPTSD uh, to minimize our experiences because you know when people are using the word triggered for a menial thing we are then using it in that same way. We then take it and we use it and we use it to minimize. And we do it deliberately because we know that, you know, people are scoffing and laughing and joking about being triggered. So why not use that as a way to minimize what we're actually going through and a way to further alienate and isolate ourselves from everyone else? Because, well, everyone else is using it in an ironic kind of way. So why shouldn't we? Well, we shouldn't because as I've spoken about minimizing, it then creates a whole other issue. We're not dealing with the issues. We're not looking at what's actually happening. We're just minimizing. And we're being taught by the people around us who are using the word triggered and in ways that are not triggering or are triggering for us perhaps. Um, but we're being taught that our actual concerns and our actual legitimate heartache and, well, not heartache, but our, our triggers <laughs> um, really are minimized. They, they really aren't. They're nothing. And that we shouldn't be giving them any time or space, which is stupid because we actually have to give them a lot of time and space to be able to work through them and to make it so that those events 
don't become triggering by minimizing it they've become more trigger triggering triggerizing that's a whole new word we're, we're making words now but you know minimizing them makes the trauma bigger it doesn't minimize the trauma at all it increases the trauma because we're not being heard we're not being listened to we're not being taken seriously and I know for myself that just it, it hits a very, very sore point and it just, ugh, please, please don't use the word. Just, just don't do it. Why is language important? Language is crucial when discussing mental health and neurodivergent people because it shapes our perceptions of these individuals and can either perpetuate or combat harmful stereotypes and stigmas. Using language that is stigmatizing, dismissive or derogatory can cause harm and lead to negative attitudes towards individuals with mental health conditions or neurodivergent conditions. It can also reinforce misconceptions myths and stereotypes about these individuals such as the idea that they are dangerous or unreliable. This can lead to discrimination, marginalization and even violence towards these individuals. On the other hand, using language that is respectful, compassionate and empowering can help reduce stigma and create a more inclusive and supportive environment for individuals with mental health or neurodivergent conditions. For instance, instead of using labels such as crazy or psycho, we could use neutral, non-stigmatizing language such as person with a mental health condition. Similarly, instead of using language that defines individuals by their diagnosis or symptoms, such as autistic person, we can use first-person language such as person with autism. By using inclusive language, we can foster a more compassionate and understanding community that promotes acceptance and destigmatizes mental health and neurodivergent conditions. It is essential to be mindful of the language we use and the impact it can have on individuals with CPTSD. Is this gatekeeping language? While you may be inclined to think CPTSD people are trying to gatekeep the language they use to explain their conditions. This is not actually the case. The major difference being that this language, specifically in this case triggered, is explaining a state of being. It covers everything from emotional to physical responses and it's more than being slightly put out because someone didn't put tomato in your ham, cheese and tomato croissant. Thanks for making it to the end of my little TED talk. I really appreciate you listening and hopefully learning something new today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, share and subscribe. Every little bit helps get the word out there. Do you have any strange, spooky or morbid tales? I'd love to read them on the pod. Email them to corruptedbysecrets at gmail.com or one word. Our theme music was composed by Adan. I'll put his link in the show notes. For now, stay true. Stay honest and don't be corrupted by secrets.